Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations, solutions, and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future. Hello there. You are listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host for this segment. Today we are speaking with Ethan Karp, the new CEO of the Manufacturing Advocacy and Growth Network, otherwise known as Magnet, and Felix Brook, Magnet Board Chairman. They lead Magnet in its mission to support, educate, and champion manufacturing in Ohio with the goal of transforming the region's economy into a powerful global player. Magnet is an Ohio Manufacturing Extension Partnership Provider, or MEP, a collaboration between the U.S. Department of Commerce National Institutes of Standards and Technology and the Ohio Development Services Agency. Ethan was named CEO of Magnet a month ago. Before that, he served as Vice President of Client Services and Marketing and was Director of Magnet's Partnership for Regional Innovation Services to Manufacturers, or PRISM which serves to connect manufacturers to innovation resources in the region. In addition to serving as chair of the Magnet Board, Felix co-founded with his wife Books at Work, an initiative of That Can Be Me. This program connects professor-led literature seminars to frontline workers for lifelong learning, as well as help companies incorporate soft skills, such as critical thinking and collaboration, into the workplace. Ethan and Felix, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Tell our listeners a little bit more about Magnet regarding business development efforts and promoting Northeast Ohio resources to industry. The key philosophy of Magnet is um, to strengthen the manufacturing base, and uh, that means to help them grow, uh, the companies grow, and to help the uh, them get the skilled workforce they actually need. And what we see is that the limiting factor to growth is often um, the the technology, the innovation, the marketing, but increasingly it is the lack of skilled labor. So what we are trying to do is help on those critical issues. Anything to add, Ethan? Really, in Northeast Ohio in particular, the manufacturing base is the major driver of the local economy. You have pizza parlors, you have dry cleaners, but all of those folks are there because you have manufacturers creating products, sending them out. This is the way it's been for decades. This is the way it will remain for decades. Figuring out how those companies grow, remain strong in a world that changes with technology, changes with what sorts of goods and products America is taking, changes with our economies relative to China, figuring out how we directly help those companies, particularly the smaller ones, which are a huge percentage of the jobs and the companies, have the same sort of access to the resources to help them innovate, whether it's in their workforce and how they work with people in their culture, but also how they create products, how they think about doing business. All of those challenges is really what Magnet, in a hands-on capacity, has developed the ability to work with manufacturers on over I guess the last 30 years, uh, as we are one of the very first public-private partnerships created, the MEPs, as you mentioned, uh, across the country. And that fits into why you developed the PRISM program, correct? Absolutely. I would say that it's also uh, reflective of the nature of uh, manufacturing in general, but the idea being magnet and the region, so to speak, is 
a little bit siloed. So you might think of a business and you might say, well, I have my product or I, and, and that's divorced from my HR functions and that's over here. And I have my operations and I have my marketing and salespeople out there, very independent silos. But the real power and how you get a business to thrive as well as how Magnet is working with businesses is to put all those pieces together, connect them, make it a partnership not only of these silos, but the region itself has a tremendous amount of, in that context, a tremendous amount of resources to provide to manufacturers. Take our major institutions like a NASA, for example, but all of our academic institutions, all of the specific service providers that maybe provide one small piece of technical advice that a company needs. But it's when all those pieces work in harmony and you can talk to a business owner and they can tap into those resources together, whatever serves the growth of their business, not thinking of them as individual pieces, but how they all fit together. And so you could see the same thing as you want to increase efficiency in your plant. Well, you need the workers to do that. And you don't just need the workers to be hired as functionary employees, you want them to be engaged. So they're driving their own efficiencies inside the plant. As an example of how when you actually connect up these things and say, how do you help a company grow? It's the uh, harmony of all those pieces that makes the difference. And what has been the response so far? The response has been very, very positive. And I want to put it also a little bit into the historic context, right? If you look at the um, thrust in the 80s and early 90s, it was all about uh, competitiveness means productivity. And uh, we have developed some wonderful service lines on lean manufacturing, Six Sigma, how to drive productivity more broadly, and that was quite helpful. What we realized as, um, as an organization um, that this was actually not serving uh, our manufacturing industries. If you look at the loss of manufacturing jobs in Ohio, it's the automotive OEMs, and unfortunately, we are not strong enough to do anything about that, that we have the transplants in the South, et cetera. But the second biggest loss of jobs is what we call built-to-print jobs, and those were all the drop shops, the, uh, the stampers, the injection molders, et cetera, that had no product. And they go out of business because you can, if you just look at the, at the, uh, the, the product without uh, IP, you can get it from China, you can get it from Mexico, et cetera. Um, f in, if we want to reverse um, the, the trend of job losses in manufacturing, we actually need to help our manufacturers to develop their own product, their own IP, and their own technology. And that means they also need to market directly to and customers and not to an OEM uh, that when he goes away, they are dead, right? So that is uh, the big pivot we made uh, about um, five years ago that we said we need to holistically help companies grow. And now that we come to companies with that offering, they at first are shocked that we think that broadly and then they're delighted because that's exactly the kind of partner they need in order to take the organization to the next level. And, and building on that too, the, the core of innovation, it was part of this recognition over historically is that I can sit in a room and create the best widget in the world for you. But if you don't have the capacity to actually take that to market and you're not thinking holistically about the business, it's not going to help your business and it's not going to help create the jobs that we're focused on creating. 
or even uh, move towards sustainability. Absolutely. And and so if we say it's about innovation and we truly believe it's about innovation and, and broadly speaking, you, yes, you can innovate your widget, but a build to print shop can also innovate how it works with its customers and create more value for them. There's lots of different ways to innovate, but it, it's all the different pieces that need to be brought together to actually make innovation real and not just the beginning stages of ideation, which we also do. Well, we had Harry Mosier from the Reshoring Initiative on a few weeks ago. I think he would definitely be in approval of, of that. Let's get into details. So you've worked with uh, Next in Aerospace, Solder Woodworking, uh, and Vitamix, which I'm sure is in many kitchens at this point. How does Magnet help solve manufacturers' most pressing technical resources needs? So these are these are three great examples that I would love to just spend a minute describing what we've done for these companies so that the audience can get a sense for how we actually do our work. And I will say first and foremost, it's very personal and very individualized to the companies. Our model is we've got about 40 people in the company who are experts in manufacturing as well as can think broadly about how a manufacturer should grow. And these folks go into a company figure out with the company owner, with the CEO, with the decision maker, what that company wants to do, and then jointly figures out the plan and we help implement wherever a company doesn't have the expertise or capacity. So these three examples demonstrate the breadth of services, but also different ways of working with clients. So I'll go through each one of them. So next in Airspace, great example. Uh, those in the audience that don't know what this company does, it's a fantastic uh, new business concept that they developed to take and retrofit refurbished corporate jets and put in updated avionics and all the things so that the very expensive jet can continue flying in the air. They literally created an industry. They had the idea for the business model. They were connected with the industry. They knew what they wanted to do. They had a business doing a piece of it, but they wanted to actually set up manufacturing to do the physical work of updating these jets. So we went in and almost they had it you know, on a piece of paper saying this is what we want. And we created the layout, the structure, and how they were going to efficiently set up a plant to do this. So that's one example, set up a manufacturing facility. The example of solder is on the side. So I would say that's more on the, you know, we were focused on how to make that work as well as how to make it productive. Solder's on the other end of the spectrum in terms of we wanted to work with a company that was well-established, doing very well in its current business, but relatively flat sales to come up with something brand new that they'd never done. This company produces uh, particle board furniture and pews, and you would see their products in Ikea. They needed something that took them outside of that space, which they had sort of saturated. And so we went all the way from sitting down with our engineers and their folks and saying, what potential ideas out in the world? An ideation session. Coming up, we came up with 85 different ideas. We vetted those ideas with them, helped them engineer the product, helped them get it into the market. And what they created is you all know the white drop ceilings that you see um, you know, in every office building everywhere. They created a way, and I encourage you to check out their website, uh, Woodtrack, uh, Solder Woodtrack System is what it's called, to replace those white ceiling tiles very inexpensively with some beautiful wood paneling. And I've seen them in your offices, so they really are very nice. They add so much to the, the meeting room. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, 
it's an amazingly fantastic product that it really came out of these ideas and and helping vet them and and you know a company sitting down and saying with a little bit of help what can we do differently innovating and lastly uh, Vitamix Vitamix look they've got their blender they've had it for 50 years it's an amazing piece of hardware they're amazing at selling it right their their trajectory was going up they were on the growth path we didn't have anything to do with that it's a fantastic company what they were having challenges with was how to manage that growth in terms of they were creating new facilities. They were hiring lots of people. They were trying to orchestrate themselves to remain as efficient as they were before and create the right atmosphere. They have a fantastic working environment. And so we were able to kind of work on that blend of how do you keep the operational efficiency, but also how do you engage your employees to make sure that they maintain the excitement that they had when they first joined the company? Or how do you bring so many new people on and make sure that they get involved in that culture? And so we worked with them over multiple years, side by side, coming in once, twice, couple times a week as they put together the structure in place. And we provided advice and facilitation to show them how they might accomplish that in their plant. And we're very happy today that they definitely have. You walk in there, you will see smiles. Does that involve a training component? Limited training component. Um, very uh, everything we do is implementation based. So very, very light uh, training. So I might sit down for half a day and do a hands on. Everybody get in the room and and uh, see for yourself how what it's like to do a batch process versus a continuous process and why that saves you time, why that saves you money. The you know that sort of training and but then it's very much learn it very quickly and then just do it right away. So we're we're going out to the manufacturer's plants for all of these things. Uh, the training component is really part of the whole PRISM initiative where we have deep relationships with community colleges and the universities and they do the training. So anybody that needs trained for something a little bit, you know, they need a black belt, they need these sorts of things to come into their companies, we bring the universities in to try and do that. We even can take that a step forward because one of the initiatives, I'll, I'll pass off to Felix to talk about this, but one of the initiatives that we have is really around the skilled workforce. So those are examples of how we've worked with companies and they all touch upon people. There's a people element of all of them, absolutely. And figuring out how to get people onboarded and reduce your churn and you know retain people and find them, that, that's all part of what we're doing with individual companies. But the other end is finding and building the supply of people to go into those manufacturers. And the universities and the community colleges are the critical component of that. And it's a huge portion of training. And Magnet's role in all of that is we can bring the business perspective to those institutions that their lifeblood is doing that training and make sure that that training is well aligned with what the needs of the manufacturing community are, which we've done as an example with Swagelock, uh, created a, and, and Tri-C, created a customized internship and training program, short 12-week program that people who want to get into manufacturing, which has higher average wages and all these sorts of benefits to be employed in, they can get in by doing a quick class, doing this 12 weeks. This is for CNC operators, the, the holy grail of what companies are looking for. Uh, and they can do a 12-week session, have a guaranteed internship at the end of that. And given the there are so many open positions for CNC operators, they do well in this. They're almost guaranteed a position. So you know, we helped facilitate that. But at the end of the day, it's the community college providing the training and the company benefiting from that. And Magnet's role as this public-private partnership is to make sure that that connection happens. 
I would say that I want to pass it to Felix to also talk about where the future of this workforce is. What I just mentioned is a fantastic way to get workers transitioning from another job into manufacturing. It's a quick way to do it. It hits exactly what companies need, but there's still not enough of those types of people to fill the shortages as folks retire. I can't tell you can't tell you the number of companies I walk into and literally a third of their workforce and their most skilled workforce are 55 plus about to retire. And they're saying, what do we do? That gap needs to be more than just transitioning workers. It needs to be high school workers. So I, I wanted to pass it to Felix to talk a little bit about how we think about that. I mean, that's definitely another touch point in terms of the need for collaboration. Absolutely. And, and I think what Ethan made uh, uh, clear is we believe that Magnet should only do what nobody does, but collaborate with other organizations on what is being done in a very, very high quality, right? Um, because otherwise, we cannot have the impact we want to have on the regional economy, right? Uh, and so we are focusing on those collaborations. The uh, community colleges have been phenomenal partners for us, and we are in discussions with how to take it to the next level, and that gets us to the next idea that we are working on right now. Um, and uh, that is very personal to me because when I was talking to the CEOs and they were complaining about skilled workforce, I was reflecting, as you can tell from my Ohio accent, um, <laughs> I, um, I uh, grew up in Germany. And um, I actually own, uh, together with my brother-in-law, a, a manufacturing business in, in Germany. And um, of the 80 employees that we have today, 70% um, uh, came through our own apprenticeship system. And what those people can do is absolutely amazing. We can send them around the world. We're world, mar world market leaders in several uh, uh, categories. They know how to do it, right? They don't have a college degree, but they know how to fix a machine. You want them, not me, when you want the machine running. And, and I was reflecting what is actually missing here. It is this kind of skilled labor. And apprenticeships has gotten a bad name uh, in, in, in this country. Um, and I think we need to get away from the paradigm that if you go for an apprenticeship, you will never have a college degree. The general manager for 20 years of our family business started at age 15 with an apprenticeship at our family business. He got a college degree, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Brilliant engineer. And I think what we need is we need to create a new model that uh, uh, approaches the, the high school students and gets them to work in a company, say a day a week, have them get their technical training in community colleges, say a day a week, and then have the core high school curriculum so that when they come out after um, high school, they have a high school degree, they have certifications, they have earned money along the way, which, by the way, is very important because if you talk to um, uh, educators that work in, in the uh, more difficult neighborhoods, they say the pressure on the kids to contribute to the families is huge. And if they can do that in a way that they learn something at the same time, what else do you want? And we, we call it ECEC, early college, early career. Um, the community colleges are excited to be our partners. The schools that we've talked to have all been very excited. The employers are very excited. 
Um, and the, what I'm always saying to the CEOs, I'm saying, are you happy with your programs in Europe? And they say, oh, we love them. And then I say, and why do you not do anything here? And they say, it's so difficult. So this is where Magnet comes in, and this is where we make it easy for everybody to basically bring the different constituents together and be the catalyst, hopefully, to a new system. So your tagline could be, ECEC is easy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it won't be easy for us, but I hope it's easy well. for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that really does uh, bring up uh, the, um, the, again, the public-private partnerships and the other a side of the coin, which is, as you've already mentioned a number of times, the the resources available to manufacturers and being able to pull those together in a way that uh, there the silos are invisible. And in re that regard, you've you've already mentioned the community colleges in terms of training. What other types of partnerships are are you uh, are you involved in with the uh, higher education institutions as well as with the uh, public private labs? So, <clears throat> wide variety, and they they grow all the time. Uh, they an example uh, with the universities with the four-year institutions uh, partnership with the University of Akron to provide expertise in market research. That is something that they have an entire department of applied market research that they're looking and degree programs they're looking for students to get experiences in, and so we tap into that when we have a company that we've talked to and that needs that component of an overall market plan. Another example is NASA. We've had um, a partnership with NASA that has been fantastic for three years, four years now, that even has gotten some uh, attention of the White House because what NASA Glenn in Cleveland has been doing is saying, how do we take our engineering talent and spread it into those companies that could use it? So for four years now, we've taken them out to dozens of companies in small spurts of expertise, Magnets helped the companies frame their technical challenges. NASA's literally brought rocket scientists to come in and give suggestions of solutions. And frankly, NASA also loves it. Not only is their economic impact being derived, but the engineers find it fun. Get out of their normal every day and apply it to a real issue that somebody in the community is having. That's another great example of, of a partnership. The overall partnership of why Magnet itself is a public-private partnership is the Manufacturing Extension Partnership. So the our funding model, uh, which is particularly relevant if there are policymakers, is very varied. Uh, we have some private philanthropy. The core of it is state-matched money from and federal money, so Development Services Agency here in Ohio, the Ohio Manufacturing Extension Partnership. and we leverage those monies against fees that we actually work with clients on. Sort of, you, when things are given away for free, especially things that require you know hundreds of hours of engineering, the value is not necessarily you know uh, appreciated as much and not necessarily implemented. So we have a fee structure that is market rate for companies who want to do this work. That public-private partnership is what enables this to occur because what Felix said, we try to do what others can't, you might say, well, I know other groups that do productivity improvement. I know a friend who does an engineering project. And, and many times we use those individuals actually as subcontractors to bring them in and help. It's the combination of all those pieces. That's the true value add, that I can go into a company and say, I can help you grow and truly back it up with whatever service they need. 
So it's not 20 different phone calls that the CEO is getting. It's one person who understands their business. That value proposition is only able to be given at a price that is affordable to a small manufacturer through the public-private partnership that the state, federal government, and private philanthropy gives. Now, the other side of that is how are we effective in this public-private partnership? It's because we think like a business. We think like a social enterprise. Uh, we think about the business first. We put the business first. We are coming ourselves a little bit from the business mindset because we have to generate revenue ourselves. So we're living in the business world, being supported by the public institutions that want to see the work and the impact be done by the manufacturers or within the manufacturers. So I'd say that's the magic of the public-private partnership. And let me only add something to it. Um, we have actually two market tests here. The one market test is, do we have clients that are willing to pay for our services, right? Very simple, very straightforward. Our mission, however, is to create new jobs. And if you look at our effectiveness, we are able to create a new job for about two to $3,000 a job, which I would say I want to see other organizations that can do that. now. It's not in isolation. The, the companies have reached out to other players too. I'm not trying to, to make us the only hero here. Um, but with that additional catalyst money of two to $3,000, we are usually able, we are on average able to create additional jobs, which is, I think, why we also have the support from the state and from the federal government at the amount we get it today. Well, that's great clarification. So I'm going to ask you to the question we ask uh, all of our guests, and that is, what would surprise us about Magnet? Who would like to go first? I think what, what surprises most people when they get to know Magnet is the depth of expertise, whether it is in engineering where we have uh, deep 3D printing expertise, not on the research level, but on how can companies actually use it. We have deep expertise on the workforce side, um, and we have increasingly deep expertise on the marketing side. So no matter what topic you want, we have deep enough expertise so that we can guide the companies to the true world-class competencies when needed. And I think that depth of ex expertise that we have is something that blows away most people when they get to know us. I would like to think that uh, when President Obama visited to tour our facility a few months ago, he was equally surprised by that depth of expertise. Uh, he was able to meet a number of uh, companies that we've been working with for a long time. And they really, uh, when we have folks come in and we display what we've helped companies do and what the companies are doing, that's the other surprising thing is it's some amazing stuff. So from a company that is... Uh, creating implants for skull implants for skull damage and using 3D printing in that process to Cleveland Whiskey, who has created, it's a technology company. It's taken this super old, you know, thing, creating whiskey, and has created a process to do it not in eight years, but in a day. And they're actually they produce in our facility. So that's a welcome invitation if anybody would like to come tour. Uh, and so... Companies like that to a company that's converting uh, in Akron, that's converting plastics back to oil. So just this wide range of things that are being manufactured, all based on technologies that are being created in 
manufacturing, which I don't think people typically associate with being innovative. So uh, I, I would hope to think that that also is surprising just what is going on in Ohio and in particular for us in Northeast Ohio. Now you took the words right out of my, my mouth. And what is going on in Ohio? And that the, I think you got uh, enough information on that today. So thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Felix, for being part of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much.